If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. As I said, we've been going through uh, a, a five-fold model of uh, looking at all of God's plans uh, for everything. And we, we've uh, been through creation. We're currently going through the fall. And then we're going to be looking at redemption, proclamation, and restoration uh, in the weeks to follow. Uh, the fall is probably one of the, uh, the harder sections to do just because you're trudging along and, and, and uh, everything's so uh, gloomy and, and glower. Last week we uh, talked about the consequences of the fall, uh, which is uh, you know something that's always joyful and uplifting. Uh, but now we're, we're going to get into something that kind of serves a little bit as a bridge uh, between our discussions of the fall and our discussion of redemption. And it's in the midst of the curses that are doled out, in the, in the midst of God's just judgment against the serpent, against Eve and Adam, is there any hope in the midst of that? And, and so the texts we're going to be focusing on this week are actually ones uh, we went over last week uh, as we discussed the consequences of the fall to look at some of the hope that occurs in these passages. We're going to be looking first at uh, Genesis 3.15, and then we're going to hop down to verse 20 and read uh, verses 20 through 24. Uh, Hear with me the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. This is in the curse given to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Skipping down to verse 20. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim, and a flashing sword turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we study your word, you would give us ears to hear what your word says to us and eyes to see what your word shows us. As a result of our time together studying your word, may we see you more clearly, may we love you more dearly, and we may, may we follow you more nearly. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Uh, in Genesis 3, we, we have something uh, that is called the Proto-Evangelium. Uh, and, and that is a fancy word uh, that they give you to justify all the money you spend uh, going to seminary. Uh, and uh, for those of you who, who, who like taking notes and are interested in these things, uh, it's spelled P-R-O-T-O. 
E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-U-M, Proto-Evangelium. And, and that's a, a compound word, uh, proto meaning first, euangelion uh, meaning good news, uh, or gospel. Uh, gospel and good news in, in English mean the same thing, uh, and their translation of the t- same thing. So we have the first good news, or the first gospel, appears in, in Genesis uh, 3.15. It, it's the first glimmer of the gospel in the Old Testament, and it occurs in the midst of the curses that God is giving to the serpent for its role in the fall of humanity. Uh, it promises uh, that there will be a seed of the woman uh, who will have enmity with the serpent and who will bruise his uh, heel and who will crush the head of the serpent. He will be bruised on his heel and he will crush the serpent's head. Uh, so a, a lot of things that are kind of mentioned there, a little bit uh, mysterious. But uh, one thing I want to point out, and uh, d- different translations bring this out in different ways. Uh, my translation, I don't actually, I usually really like the ESV, but I don't think the ESV does it uh, uh, justice. It says, um, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Anybody have a translation that uses a different word than offspring? Yes, no? Seed, yeah. I, I really like the language seed better. It, it, it kind of conveys a, a little bit better uh, what, what the Hebrew says there. Uh, but one of the things I, I want to point out about this word is the way in it, which it is used in this passage is highly unusual. Now, in, in ancient thinking, in, in the ancient mindset... Um, we're, we're going to have an ancient sex ed class here uh, for a little bit. In, in their thinking and the metaphors they used to describe reproduction, the woman is the fertile soil. The man is the one who plants the seed into the soil. And, and out of that grows new life. That, that was the analogy that they would use. That was uh, the way in which they describe it. So, so almost always when seed is being used and it's in reference to reproduction or offspring, it's in reference to male agency. So I, I bring all that up because the language, we don't notice it, we don't think about it because uh, we, we have different ideas and, and analogies, but I just want to point out the language here is very, very unusual to say that the, the, the woman will produce a seed. And, and, and notice it's this thing, it's, it's talking about the woman and her offspring. It's not talking about Adam and his offspring. That's kind of uh, unusual as well, isn't it, for what's going on? There's this promise of a seed of the woman who's coming and who will crush the head of the serpent. Uh, by the way, there's, there's, some, um, there's some layers to this passage as well. Uh, there's one thing that's promised is enmity between the serpent and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Uh, there's, uh, and when it talks about this seed, we, we see some of the immediate enmity, don't we? Uh, Cain, he, he's the immediate offspring of Eve, isn't he? The immediate offspring of the woman. Do you, do you see enmity between him and the tempter? Yeah, we see he'll, him fail pretty quickly. But we, we see him go down the, the wrong road pretty quickly. And, and, and throughout history, there's also, uh, we have Christ. 
And he says in, in John 8, 44, uh, he, he's getting into it with the Pharisees, and he says, uh, uh, you are of your father, the devil. He says, look, you're, you're, because you have rejected God, his kingdom, and his Messiah, guess what? You're following the one who rejects God, his kingdom, and his Messiah. You are sons of the devil. You are sons of the deceiver. You're, uh, you're offsprings, not of a woman, through, through Abraham, as they were claiming, they're, you're, no, you're offsprings of the devil because you have denied God's kingdom and his Messiah. So, so there's layers in which it comes to that. But most people, when they look at this uh, promise, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, the, the the bruising of the head, the crushing, the, the same word uh, is the, the word that's used can be used bruised or crushed. But a head blow is something dangerous. Uh, there, there's a it's a silly show. It's something uh, my wife and I watch when we're trying to you know uh, get our minds uh, off of anything in particular and, and just kind of relax. It's uh, called The Office, and there's this character in the show who, who always tries to make everything about him. And uh, uh, he, he one day has this, you know, minor foot injury, and somebody else in the office ha- has a concussion, and eventually they realize, okay, that this concussion is pretty serious. He's he's having some dangerous symptoms. We better we better bring him to the hospital. And and the whole time they're at the hospital, this other friend with a, you know, the minor has a minor foot burn, keeps trying to make it about him. And you know, they're sitting in there, and he he asks the doctor, and he says, uh, well. Which which is worse in in your opinion, a foot injury or a head injury? And the doctor goes, a, a head injury. He goes, no, no, you don't know all the facts. Uh, but but here, this is talking about two injuries. One's a foot injury and one's a head injury. The head injury is the dangerous one. The head injury is the lethal one. Uh, so here, there there's a, a bruising of the heel and there's a crushing of the head. This crushing of the head is a promise of the ultimate defeat of evil. There's this saying that there's going to be this battle between good and evil. That as a result of the fall, there's going to be this continued conflict in the world between the forces of evil and the forces of good. But that there is one coming of the woman's seed who will bring about the ultimate demise of evil. So in this, we see the first glimmer of hope in the midst of the curses of the fall. The first thing that gives us hope is the seed of the woman. By the way, uh, th- this also reminds us of Galatians 4.4. 4. Uh, for, for, uh, I, I want you to listen to the words of Galatians 4.4 4 here. When in the fullness of time... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus Christ is an eternal Son to the Father, but when He enters into this world, He is born of a woman with no earthly male agency. The unusual language in the book of Genesis is pointing to the unusual circumstances of Christ's birth. We have hope in the seed of the woman. One of the second areas we see hope, I'm going to give us four, I don't know if I mentioned this, I get so into these passages. There's four areas we're going to talk about where we see hope 
in the midst of the fall and its curses. One is in the seed of the woman that we've just talked about. And then one of the second places we see is in the continuation of mankind. As you skip down uh, to verse 20, it says, The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And, and last week I talked about uh, Adam and Eve deserve plenty of blame, but we, we talked about last week one thing they deserve credit for is, although they made excuses at first, they eventually confessed to their sin. Adam says, hey, this woman that you gave me, uh, she gave it to me. But then he confesses, I ate. And, and Eve says, oh, the serpent you know, tempted me. I was deceived, and then I ate. You, you know, they make excuses, but they ultimately confess. By the way, we, we see this is different to Cain, who in the next chapter says, am I, bro- am I my brother's keeper? How, how should I know where my, where my brother is? Uh, Adam and Eve, for all their faults, which are very valid, very important, eventually confess. In this passage, we see that Adam still has, now is beginning to demonstrate a measure of faith. Now, we wished he would have displayed it in the initial commands of God, in the initial warnings of God. But here we see some faith. He says, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. If, if you notice earlier on, uh, God, as he's giving out curses, he tells the woman, you're going to have pain in childbearing, and you're going to bring forth uh, children in pain. But one of the things that tells us is that they're going to have children. Uh, that despite the, the curse of the fall and the downfall of mankind, that their offspring will continue, that there will be a continuation of life despite death entering into the world. And Adam, as he hears this, places his faith in God and the promises of God and says, my wife's name is going to be Eve because she is going to be the mother of all living. And by the way, that's kind of, uh, you know, a gracious thing to name her wife. She's just, you know, you know he, he could have named her the one who ate first or, you know, say he, he could have kept on blaming. No, he, he gives her this, this lovely name of she's going to be the mother of all who are living. Um, and so we, we see uh, God's grace in providing a, a promise of a seed that will over, of the woman that will overcome mankind. We see hope in the continuation continuation of mankind, which Adam, in the naming of Eve, displays his faith in. Uh, Despite the curses and the death that enters into the world, Adam and Eve still have a hope in God. Uh, By the way, we also, uh, uh, later on, we'll see it a little bit in, in Eve's life. In both the naming of Cain and in the naming of Seth, uh, you see a little bit of, of the faith of Eve. She, she says, hey, it's by God's help that I brought forth this son. And in the naming of Seth, the, the Lord has provided a replacement for the son I've lost. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but my name uh, comes from... Uh, 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 that story has special significance for me because my name is Seth. And... Uh, and my parents, uh, between me and my older sister, had a stillborn child named Michael. Uh, and, and when they found out they were having me, they viewed me as a replacement for the son that they had lost. Not, not as a substitute, but as another blessing from the Lord. So whenever I read that story, it has special significance after the loss of Abel and then the continuation of uh, the righteous line through Seth. They, Eve names him Seth as a replacement 
for what had been lost. Um, sorry, that was a tangent. Hopefully it was a sanctified tangent. Um, we, we see in, in the midst of uh, this death, there's this faith, there's this focus that even though uh, death has entered into the world, life continues on. That's a hope in the midst of the curses of the fall. Uh, thirdly, uh, we see hope in the midst of the fall in the covering God provides. Thirdly, we, we see hope in the midst of the fall in the covering God provides. It says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Uh, the, the description here is different than the description earlier. Earlier, Adam and Eve, they noticed their, after they sin, after they eat of the fruit, they notice, hey, we're naked. Previously, it said they were naked and unashamed. Now they're naked and ashamed. Uh, they, they start to realize... I need covering. Uh, in the in the midst of their guilt, they went from a state of innocence to a state of shame and brokenness. And they want to hide themselves. They want to cover themselves. It says they they sewed fig leaves together, but uh, those were insufficient coverings uh, because even with those sewed on, when God shows up, they still want to hide. Here it says that God provides a covering for Adam and Eve. First of all, it says he makes it, and then it says he closed them with it. The description of what he makes and what he closed them with is garments of skin. Uh, the, the, the language here uh, is of, basically, it's animal hide that he closed them with. One of the things we notice from this is that this is probably the first time that anything's died in the Bible. The, the first mention of death, the first mention of a, a shedding of blood, the first mention of killing is for a provision for a covering of a sinful people. This is going to serve as a model and a type for what is to come. That through the shedding of blood, first through the Mosaic law and the, uh, the priesthood, There'll be shedding of blood for the covering of sin. Later on and more fully in Christ, there will be the shedding of blood for what? The covering of sin. We see God functions as a good and gracious provider to humanity despite their disobedience to Him. Adam and Eve's attempts to cover their own nakedness and shame was insufficient. But God provides for them. God provides a way for the covering of their sin. So this points us to to a a pattern that that continues. We've seen God as as the Creator. We've uh, talked about last week a little bit that God is a just judge of sin. But we also see that He is a Savior for sinful people. That He does not long for mankind to remain in a sinful and an ashamed state. That He wants them to be clothed and covered. Uh, fourthly, we've seen the hope in the promise of the seed of the woman. We've seen hope in the continuation of mankind. We've seen hope in the covering provided by God. Fourthly, we see hope 
and the separation from the tree of life. Now that's a, a little bit unusual, but but it is an act of God's grace to separate man in his fallen state from the tree of life. One of the great mercies of living in a wicked world is the wickedness of man does not continue on forever. But there's an end point to it. By the way, I think that also tempers some people's wickedness. The realization that someday they're going to die. Uh, that that may may temper uh, their wickedness, but I mean, could you could you imagine somebody like Stalin and the millions of people he lived? Imagine if he was immortal, Hitler. Imagine if they're I- immortal. Uh, one of the things we we see as in the chaos in in the fall in the midst of this, God separates man from the tree of life so that man does not exist in a perpetual state of evil. I, I, I don't know if you were uh, noticing it or, or paying attention. Uh, but our response, or our call to worship this morning was from Revelation 22. We're here in, in a section where they're leaving the first garden. And Revelation 22 has the promises of the last garden where we have the tree of life showing up again. We have the tree of life, but we don't have any tree to tempt us. Uh, we, we have the tree of life, but there's no longer a serpent in the garden. His defeat and demise has already come. We have a hope coming in the new garden. For the, it talks about the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Right after this verse, we have brother killing brother. The beginning of mankind's violence against mankind. One of the things I, 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 I want you to, to notice and, and to think about is uh, God keeps us away from that tree until the point in which all of mankind's sin has been dealt with, either by cross or by judgment. One of the things that, that, that gives us hope for is that the, there's a garden coming, there's a world coming that's better than the initial creation. There's not going to be, I said, a serpent in the other garden. There's not going to be a temptation in the next garden. In fact, our intimacy with God will be even greater. It says the sun doesn't have to exist because the radiance of God illuminates the people of God in there. What is coming is greater. What's coming is more glorious. But in the meantime, He has separated mankind from the tree of life to ensure that wicked does not continue on forever. In doing this, he's also showing us that it is no longer within mankind's power in and of himself to provide and attain eternal life through his own abilities. It was originally a blessing of God that mankind could take from the tree of life and eat as he pleased. Now mankind has to receive life through the power of another. All all these things, uh, the promised seed to the woman, the continuation of mankind, the covering that God provides, the separation from the tree of life, shows us that in the midst of the rebellion of the fall, God does not abandon or forsake humanity but provides promises of hope to those who believe and place their confidence in Him. 
What was lost by Adam can be regained by one greater than Adam. There is hope yet for mankind. As we move forward, we're going to be looking at the long, slow preparation of mankind for their Redeemer. For the one who will undo the effects of the fall and prepare us for the kingdom to come. We'll focus on God's plan to regain and repair what was lost in the fall as we continue on and look at the fundamentals of redemption. If you would, please stand for the benediction. We had a a musical guest earlier, and they had to leave, so we're going to jump right into the benediction. Our doxology comes from, uh, or our benediction comes from the doxology of Romans. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen.